On today's Locked on Jayhawks, KU in the Guaranteed Rate Bowl against UNLV. We preview the game, UNLV scouting report matchups of the game, and more to get you ready for KU's finale of 2023. You are Locked on Jayhawks, your daily podcast on the Kansas Jayhawks. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Derek Johnson. You can hear me as well Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. on KLWN in Lawrence with Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Thanks for making Locked on Jayhawks your first listen every day. We are free and available anywhere that you get your podcasts, including on our YouTube page where you can like and subscribe to the show. On today's episode of Things, we're previewing the guaranteed rate bowl Kansas versus UNLV, the finale for the 2023 season for Kansas. So let's just get right into it. We'll start with our overview, top storyline, series history, UNLV scouting report. We get to our matchups of the game and our uh, Hawks to soar KU players we think can stand out and have a good game for KU in this one. Uh, it's a short series. One to one is the overall series between these two teams. It is uh, tied up there. UNLV won in 2002, 31 to 20. And then Kansas won the most recent meeting, which was 20 years ago, uh, 46 to 24 in 2003. I guess if you want to have some fun with the uh, throwback box score, the stats in that one, Bill Whittemore had 335 total yards, four total scores. Clark Green ran it 19 times for 117 yards with 70 added receiving yards. And uh, Gabriel Toomey had a 29-yard pick six. So there's some uh, old names for maybe some uh, uh, KU football fans out there. Uh, obviously, they're going to play again next year, which becomes kind of a an interesting tidbit for both the series and a storyline. This will be the third game of the season for KU, I guess. Who knows whether this game is going to be played at uh, Memorial Stadium? Is it going to be played at Arrowhead State? I, I don't know what, uh, where exactly it would be played. Um, so I guess maybe this one ends up with a bigger crowd. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Uh, but that is certainly weird that you're playing the same team twice in the next four games when they're a non-conference opponent. Uh, now, as far as other storylines coming into this one, KU's obviously looking for their first bowl win since 2008. So it's been a long time since KU's got a victory in a bowl game. In fact, KU has six bowl wins all time. So you're looking for number seven overall. That means you have a real opportunity to do something that not a lot of other teams in the KU football program history have done. This would just be the seventh one if you could accomplish that bowl win. Uh, KU looking for their first nine-win season since 2007. So it'd be 16 years since your last nine-win season. Obviously, 07 was a 12-win season, but still. Uh, before that, to get to nine or more wins, you have to go back to 1995. And then before that, the previous nine or more win season was 1968 when they went nine and two. They were nine and one and then lost in the Orange Bowl. Obviously, played less games back then. But in total, KU has only had five seasons where they've won nine or more games in program history. 07 with 12. 95 with 10, 1905 with 10, uh, 68 with 9, and then 1908, they went 9-0. and Who could forget the uh, undefeated? I think they should claim a national title for that. Undefeated, 1908, why not? You know, other schools are doing it. Anyway, um, this would be the opportunity for you to have your sixth season where you've won nine or more games. Again, something the program hasn't done a ton of, which makes it special for your program. And obviously, you want to build to a point where eventually these, you know, eight-win seasons, bull wins, uh, nine win seasons become more of that's what we're doing every year. That's tradition than it is the outlier years. But right now that is the case. And you're trying to establish that baseline. This is kind of a huge deal if KU is able to do that. Uh, top storyline here, obviously the quarterback position just in general, because um, for Jason Bean, he'll be starting the game. 
And this will be the last game of his, uh, I guess, KU career, right? And um, it's been a a very interesting career. Obviously, he started his career in North Texas, transfers into Kansas. He's the starter right off the bat in the Lance Leipold era. Has a couple good performances. Like I remember early in the year, they went on the road against the top 25 Coastal Carolina team, and he looked pretty good, so showed some flashes. Then he had some down moments, then eventually gets injured. Jalen Daniels takes over. Eventually, he has to take over last year. Has some ups and downs again, but he gets KU Bowl eligible. Then this year, he has to take over again, and you know he beats Oklahoma. He helps you win all these games. Um, for a guy who was close to not coming back into this last season this year, for him to decide to come back and then have the season he did and now, you know, pop up in a lot of career top 10 lists for KU and passing records, for him to get the opportunity to, you know, put the stamp on his KU career, I think is really cool. And I think he's played well enough this year that, you know, I don't, I don't know if he'd get drafted or anything. There's very few quarterbacks that get drafted every year, right? The top guys go in the first round. And then outside of that, you'll see a couple guys maybe go in the mid rounds. But, like, I, I think he's played well enough to earn a shot at, like, a training camp as a, as a camp invite. Maybe he's played well enough to, you know, even play if that doesn't work out in, like, the USFL or the XFL or the Canadian Football League, like, um, which I, I don't know if that was the case coming into the year. But do we get to see him and, you know, uh, or, I mean, we will see him. What do we get to see him, you know, play as? Like, uh, is he leaving it all out on the line? Is, is you know, what does it look like and, and everything? Obviously, last time we saw him in the Cincinnati game, he was excellent. And then beyond that, just the quarterback position, like, do we hypothetically see Jalen Daniels at all? If it's a close game, it's whatever. I think you owe it to Jason Bean. You keep riding it out with him. Let's say hypothetically, because you know the, the line on this game is, is projected uh, for Kansas to win by double figures. Uh, let's say this is a game where Kansas is able to, to handle things. Um, and let's say the game is, I don't know, 38 to 14 or something like that. And you got 12 minutes left in the game. At that point, do you do you give him the curtain call with Jason Bean, and do you say, "Hey, this game doesn't count against if we want to redshirt someone." Do we throw Jalen Daniels in there for a drive or two in that exact type of scenario, and be like, "Okay, now you know he's here for next game." I don't expect something or for next year. I don't expect something like that to happen, but I think it'd be kind of cool if you did, and it would make I think the fan base feel a lot better about where Jalen's at headed into next year. I don't even know if that's a possibility or can happen. I don't expect it to happen, but. You know, if, if that exact scenario happened, I would like it if it were possible. But, yeah, I, I really cool to see Jason Bean get kind of the send-off game here. Uh, final game for any any players. You know, obviously this applies for um, any of the, the players who are going to graduate, duh, right? Uh, whether it's, you know, guys who have made Lawrence a, a one-year stop like a Devin Phillips or, you know, more long-term players who transferred in for multiple years like Rich Miller and Craig Young, uh, players who have been through the program their entire career like Mason Fairchild, right? Uh, going back to Jason Bean with with a uh, former transfer in, in here for for multiple years. Um, obviously, it can apply for guys who are going to transfer at the end of this. Obviously, it can apply for guys who might go to the NFL draft after this. But, you know, seeing some of those guys for the last time. And uh, obviously, uh, a, a side story of this is players we're not going to see for the last time, which uh, are some of the opt-outs and transfers. No gauge keys who transferred to Auburn. So when your defense tackle is gone, uh, that just means uh, a heavy dose of Devin Phillips, Tommy Dunn, DJ Withers, uh, maybe see some Caleb Taylor and Keenan Caldwell a little bit more than the normal. Uh, Austin Booker has opted out of the game. Uh, we had that episode earlier. Check it out with Locked on Jayhawks. Um, is he transferring? Is he going to go to the NFL draft? I think right now the idea is the NFL draft, but uh, either way, he's not seemingly going to be a part of the program anymore. He's not playing this game, obviously. So uh, Hayden Hatcher now becomes a starter. More playing time for him. More playing time for Patrick Joyner. More playing time for, I don't know, Dylan Brooks, something like that. And 
Um, obviously, that's an opportunity uh, for Dylan Brooks, who's kind of a young guy to, uh, I don't know, establish himself in, in a very real way headed into next year. Um, Tanaka Scott obviously transferred. You know, do we see Keaton Quebec or do we see one of the young receivers get a target or two in this game? Dominic Pooney opting out to go to the NFL um, to where Calvin Clements could get the start at the uh, left tackle spot as just a true freshman and a local kid from from Free State. Uh, what about Bryce Cable? Do seems like he's kind of injured. Maybe he plays. Maybe he doesn't. If he doesn't, then seems like we're going to see Armaj Reed Adams at right tackle. And um, how is he going to look at, at more of a tackle as opposed to a guard? Which I do think he got some reps at over the course of the season at different points. So yeah, I mean certainly some some personnel changes there. Obviously the coaching change up because your offensive coordinator not coaching for this game. He's at Penn State now. Jim Zabrowski, your former quarterback coach, now co-offensive coordinator, is calling play. So a lot of differences for KU coming into this game. Uh, for UNLV, their side of things, uh, they did lose one of their safeties who committed to Baylor. Uh, they lost uh, one of their rotational DNs who played well in rotational snaps, but he was only like a second or third string. And then they lost some other backups, like a fourth string running back, backup receiver, stuff like that. Um, so, you know, that certainly takes away from the game a little bit. Um, but also from the Kansas point of view, uh, it does lead to some cool storylines. Like it's going to be exciting to see Calvin Clements plays. If he plays really well as a true freshman, you're going to feel really excited headed in the next year. As far as the UNLV scouting report, they are nine and four on the season. Uh, key games of note, they beat Vanderbilt. That was that one game that preceded the KU Nevada game that forced the KU Nevada game. Like people didn't see it until midway through the first quarter, but uh, UNLV did at least prevent it from going to like overtime. So they won that game. They also won at Nevada 45, 27. So they, they beat them by more than you did. Uh, they beat Wyoming by 20 good team in Wyoming and they beat air force um, on the road by four. They lost their last two games though. One to San Jose state. It was a bowl team by six. The other one, they, they kind of got crushed by Boise state in the mountain West conference championship by 24. Uh, the other two losses they had earlier in the year, Fresno state by seven, good team there. And then Michigan 35, seven, which means they actually played the Wolverines better than Nebraska did. Minnesota did Indiana did Michigan state did. So that's not even like that bad of a loss there. Uh, they're averaging 34.3 points per game. That leads the mountain West. They're fifth in yards per play in the conference, sixth in yards per carry, third in yards per pass, and they are top 40 overall as a unit on ESPN's SB+, uh, including being sixth in passer efficiency. So middle of the pack in, in the Mountain West and some of those numbers. Defensively, 27 points allowed per game. That is seventh in the Mountain West. They are eighth in the conference in yards allowed per play, fifth in yards allowed per carry, ninth in yards allowed per pass, and uh, they're barely inside the top 100 on ESPN's SP plus for uh, defensive efficiency, uh, really strong special teams unit. They're first in the mountain West in field goal percentage PAT percentage. They're third in the mountain West in net yards per punt second in yards per punt return first in yards per kick return. Very, very good special teams unit and have one of the best kickers in the entire country. Uh, let's get to our matchups of the game and Hawks to soar players to watch for KU on this episode of locked on Jayhawks. We are brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers. All right, matchups of the game. First down, KU passing on early downs. Kansas likes to run on first down, and um, that'll continue to happen in this game, I would imagine. Though it was Jim Zabrowski, who is the quarterback's coach, and we heard from Lance Leipold at a Hawk Talk last week, that he said Jim is a very aggressive play caller, and he likes to be aggressive in, in going forward on fourth down. So keep that in mind. Now, I don't know who makes the ultimate decision on fourth down. Is that Lance Leipold making that decision? Is that the OC making that decision? Either way, kind of interesting in how that goes. But I would think it would behoove Kansas to throw it a bit more than normal on early downs in this game. And again, that doesn't mean abandon the run or, or every time, because running is a strength for you. You do need to establish the run. And guess what? If you run the ball well, you're going to throw the ball well in those early downs even better, because then you're going to keep them uh, on their toes, so to speak. UNLV ranks just 73rd in EPA per drop back defensively. So they haven't been a great pass defense. And more so, UNLV ranks 97th in early down success rate defensively, which means they have been one of the bottom, I don't know, whatever that is, like 35 defenses in the country in early down success. They have shown a weakness giving up big passing plays early in down the distances. Um, this is obviously going to be the final game for Jason Bean. Let him let it rip because I think Kansas can have a big advantage there. Second down, Kansas defense versus a scrambling quarterback. This time last year, KU did not have things go so well against a scrambling quarterback, against a mobile quarterback in their bowl game, the Liberty Bowl last year. K.J. Jefferson for Arkansas ran for 130 yards in that game, two rushing touchdowns, right? So that didn't go well. Jaden Maeva, not as good of a runner as K.J. Jefferson. He's a solid runner at it. He's more of someone who, you know, he'll, he'll get it when he needs to, but it's not the primary part of his game. But he is mobile enough. He has 261 rushing yards this year, three rushing touchdowns. So modest to solid numbers, but not ones that jump off the page. But he's had decent games when the opportunity has presented itself. He's had six games with 28 or more rushing yards. Keep in mind, in college, too, you're losing yards on sacks. So, you know, that would be even better. He has a high of 40 rushing yards, and he's been in that 30 to 40 range, kind of a, a decent amount. Um, here is the rushing totals allowed to opposing quarterbacks for KU this year. Jacob Clark, Missouri State, had 36. His season average was 19, so he was up 17. Luke Altmaier, 70 yards. His season average was 31, so he was up 39. Brendan Lewis, 58 yards against you. His season average, 41, so he was up 17. From there, the KU defense, uh, well, Maybe after two weeks later, it started to get better. Keaton Slovis, he was minus 24, um, season average minus five. So that was a good job keeping him under. Quinn Ewers had 40 yards, his season average only two. So he was 38 over his normal average. But from there, you did a good job. Timmy McLean only had five yards. He averaged 17 a game. Alan Bowman had negative two, averaged one. Dylan Gabriel did have 64 yards rushing. He came in averaging 31. Rocco Beck was at minus five. He came in averaging six. Baron Morton was at minus 11. Will Howard was at 18. Emory Jones is 61. Basically total it all up. Kansas gave up 263 yards to quarterbacks running the football this year, which if you compare to how those quarterbacks did on average, basically uh, quarterbacks had plus 90 in terms of if, if you just said, okay, this is how many yards they'd average. And based on their average, you would expect them to have this many yards. Exactly. Quarterbacks were about 90 yards over that average. So about eight yards more than they average per game on the ground. So honestly, that's better than I thought it would be after going through the numbers, but it still does show on average that they're uh, scrambling quarterbacks are doing more or just quarterbacks in general are on average 
running better than what their season average is against this team, even if it's by a little bit. But they've done a better job at it. Certainly something to keep in mind for this game against Maeva. Specifically where it could have a big impact is, you know, you get a third and six, quarterback scrambles for the first down. That brings us to our third down matchup, getting off the field on third down. UNLV is first in the Mountain West at 50.26% on third down conversions offensively. What's interesting is they attempted double-digit third downs more than anyone else in the Mountain West. So they got a lot of them, too. That means they're an offense that that kind of had to convert third downs, uh, which means you're going to have opportunities to get them off. But KU is only 10th in the Big 12 in third down conversion defense. They've not been great at this. And if we, we want to, you know, convert some of those national numbers here, what's scary is UNLV is 18th in the country in third and fourth down success rate offensively. Kansas is just 111th in third and fourth down success rate on defense. Now, on the flip side, UNLV is second in the Mountain West in third down defense at 35.6%. So they've been good on third downs the other side. Kansas is fourth in third down conversion offense. On paper, UNLV has the better team stats here on the third and fourth downs. Again, theirs is versus worse competition in the Mountain West than yours was in the Big 12. So, you know, realistically, maybe they're more equal, but certainly something to keep in mind in this game because, you know, if you do allow them to uh, go rogue on those, you know, money downs, that's how they stay in the game or pull off the upset. All right, fourth down here, red zone battles. UNLV is first in the Mountain West in red zone offense. KU is 14th in the Big 12 in red zone defense. So this is a strength for UNLV versus a weakness for uh, Kansas. Meanwhile, UNLV is only seventh in the Mountain West in red zone defense. KU is ninth in the Big 12 in red zone offense. So that's more of both teams were kind of average at it on that side of the field. If Kansas can even turn this into an equal in this game, right, have the same percentage as them on red zone efficiency, on, on touchdown scoring percentage in the red zone, I think you feel great about it. Now, as far as our player matchup, we're going to go Devin Neal versus Jackson Woodard. Uh, Woodard is a linebacker for UNLV. He actually was at Arkansas last year, transferred to UNLV along with Barry Odom, who's their head coach, who was the defense coordinator at Arkansas last year, did not coach in the bowl, though. He took the UNLV job. So Woodard goes over to UNLV with him, and he was the uh, leading tackler for the Rebels this year. 113 tackles, uh, more than 30 than anyone else on the team, so by far the leading tackle. He also had eight tackles for loss. Two and a half sacks, four pass deflections, and an interception. Devin Neal, meanwhile, he's been obviously unreal all season long, but the back half of this season has been even more spectacular. He's had 100 or more rushing yards in three straight games. His last seven games, he has had 110 rushing yards per game versus the first five 88 rushing yards per game. So both numbers are actually still good, but you know, 110 over the last seven. From a history perspective, he's already in fifth in career rushing yards. He could move ahead of uh, Laverne Smith if he gets like 69, 70 rushing yards. Um, For single season, he'd need 141 rushing yards to move into third by June Henley, 234 to move above Tony Sands, 249 to pass John Quarter. So if he does have an unbelievable bowl game, maybe he could have the the single season record for most uh, rushing yards for KU. Now we know they rotate backs. I don't expect that to happen, but who knows? What what if it's you know bowl game, uh, close game, and uh, maybe it does end up being his last game. Maybe it's not. Who knows? And um, they're just like, hey, we're going to give you 20, 30 carries and and let him have it. I don't know. Would be kind of interesting. Uh, we're going to finish up here with Hawks the sore Jayhawks. I think can stick out uh, in the matchup and have big time games.
This is Locked on Jayhawks, and uh, thanks for tuning into the show. You can find our show anywhere you get your podcast. We'll have a, a recap of the Guaranteed Rate Bowl coming at you on Wednesday. Don't forget, you can check out our recap of the KU Yale game, uh, some other football content, talking about the offseason ahead, Austin Booker, plenty of other stuff with the show, anywhere that you uh, get your podcasts here. So uh, right now, by the way, the odds on FanDuel, KU is minus 12.5. They are minus 550 money line, and the over-under 67.5. That means that uh, you're looking at a lot of points. That means that... I don't know, FanDuel is basically projecting like 40 to 28. Is that, yeah, something like that, like, you know, 40 to 27, somewhere in that range. So it uh, could be a lot of points for Kansas. That means that uh, if player props come out, as I'm recording right now, they're not out, but maybe they'll be out in the morning. It means it could be a lot of points, could be a lot of touchdowns, could be a fun one to bet on some of the player props. Anyway, some of those players you can look at. I, I'm going to go with Devin Neal. I know I had him in the player matchup. I'm going with him and Hawks to soar too. UNLV has given up two-plus rushing touchdowns in eight of their games this season. They've also given up three-plus rushing touchdowns in four games this season. So could this be a Devin Neal, you know, multiple touchdown game? Now, there's always the, the uh, I don't know, possibility that it's uh, because KU's so balanced. Could be a passing touchdown. Could be Jason Bean running in. Daniel Highshaw's a hammer at the goal line. He could score. I think this this might be a good one to, you know, maybe throw Devin Neal to score two-plus touchdowns. I don't know. Maybe you can even get some some crazy odds, three-plus touchdowns. But I think at the very least, KU's running backs, uh, look for them to score uh, TDs in this one. On the defense side of the ball, I'm going to go with Devin Phillips for a double dose of Devin here. We got Devin Neal, Devin Phillips. Um, Phillips got hurt in the Iowa State game and then missed the Texas Tech game. And I think you missed him in that game uh, with, with the start of that one, how they were able to run the ball, though, the way they – you, you stopped him running the ball the last three quarters. But anyway, um, now with the time off for Phillips, because he did come back after that for, for like the, the last couple of games. But with the time off, I'd imagine he is more to a healthy version of himself, the more 100% version of himself, maybe the 90% version, right? Um, and obviously without Gage Keys after he transferred, maybe even more snaps to be had for Devin Phillips in this game. He's been an underrated player all year long for the KU defense. And UNLV's interior offensive line, has not been great. Pro football focus grades for the offensive guards for UNLV, 63 and 57. The center for UNLV, 57. I think Devin Phillips can have a big game and have a nice send-off for uh, KU. Uh, that'll do it for this episode of Locked on Jayhawks. You can find our show anywhere you get your podcast, including on our YouTube page where you can like and subscribe. Thanks for joining us today. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. We're about to get to that. And we'll have a uh, KU-UNLV guaranteed rate bowl recap. Uh, after the game or uh, on Wednesday morning. You are locked up.